Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Thank you so much for your support and um, 79 children, 79 families, 79 communities you are affecting. So that's wonderful. God bless you. For all those that sponsor a child, uh, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. You are making a massive difference. For those that don't know me, my name's David Helliard. I'm spent uh, some 40 years now in ministry. I started when I was nine, and uh, I spent 25 years pastoring a church, pioneered a church in Lightsview, Adelaide, and uh, then uh, I got a promotion to be a voice for children living in abject poverty. So I'm very pleased to come to you today with that voice and to um, thank you for what you are doing and um, just love to connect with you and uh, appreciate what you are doing. I want to thank your pastors, Josh and Belle. You are just so wonderful. And uh, thank you for all that you've done, all that you are doing, and all that God's going to do through you. You know, the word of God in Zechariah says, without the shepherd, the sheep, will scatter. So be very thankful for your pastors and look after them. So let's put our hands together for your pastors. I'm, I'm not just saying that I'm sincere. You, we, we need good leaders in churches all over Australia and all over the world. And uh, you've got two of the best. Amen? Okay, let me make sure I get this working. So I'm going to speak for a few moments on compassion ministry. Is that okay? Well, whether it is or not, I'm going to speak about them. And uh, just want you to know that it's kingdom business. Now, I think I'm doing something wrong here. Oh, it's all right. I'm pressing the wrong thing. We're all good. It's kingdom business, what we do at Compassion. I believe at the turn of this century, we moved into a new era. Uh, we used to be in the church era, which was about my denomination, my ministry, my church, which was all good things. But when we moved into the 21st century, there was a prophetic sign on Sydney Harbour Bridge when we hit the 2000s. And that sign, does anybody remember what that sign said? Eternity. And I believe that we entered into kingdom era. And that's what we're living in now. And Compassion's ministry is about kingdom business. Because the king is coming back. We're all going to get a new hairdo when he arrives. You just go buying... But he is coming back and he's looking for a church that's ready for his return. That's exciting, yeah? Um, let me tell you a little bit about compassion. Uh, our mission, the reason we exist, and every church should have a mission and every ministry should have a mission. And our mission 
is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. That's our mission. And uh, to release children from poverty in Jesus' name, you need a vision. You need a strategy. And uh, we have a strategy and uh, a vision. In Proverbs 29:18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people will perish. So we have a vision, and our vision is this, that we are Christ-centered. We are a ministry that has Jesus at the center. Every day at Compassion, we have prayer meetings. It's great working for a ministry where we pray every day. Every Wednesday, we have devotions where everybody gets together on Zoom now, and uh, we um, have devotions. So Christ is at the center of our ministry. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe it's the power of God to salvation. Um, I think I've told you this story before, but for those that have not heard it, back in 2000, we were offered several million dollars by United States Aid. They said, we love the work that you're doing. However, in our constitution we're not allowed to give to religious organizations. So if you can drop the Christ, we can give you the money. And we said, he's not for sale because Christ is at the center of the ministry of compassion. And that's our strategy, to keep on that value of Christ at the center. We're child-focused. We believe in the potential of children we love children. We sponsor them up to the age of 22 years old. And there we want to see them become a resource back to their family. Richmond Wandera, who's a Ugandan, uh, who was a Ugandan boy, he still is, but he's a man now. But he was sponsored by a 15-year-old girl in Adelaide when he was six, living in Kampala in the slums there. He was sponsored, and she sponsored him for over 15 years. And today, he is a pastor who oversights 3,000 churches in East Africa. How good is that? From slums now to being an influence in Uganda. And we're church-based. Our strategy, our vision is the church. We believe it's God's vehicle for bringing hope to lives all over the world. We work with over 8,000 churches. And in Australia, we have 120,000 supporters in the church. How good's that? So we believe in the church. We cross-denominational work with mainline believing churches like yourselves. And uh, we want to be making the local church the hero in their community in the countries that we work in. God's heart is for the poor. Leviticus, your favorite book, isn't it? I know. It says in Leviticus that God speaking to Israel, when you harvest the land, make sure you leave the corner for the poor. And you'll see on the corner of every um, collateral of compassion, they have a blue corner. And that represents the corner for the poor. 
If you're familiar with the book of Ruth, when Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem, they were widows and poor. And Naomi sent Ruth to the field of Boaz and said, go and glean there. So she went to that corner for the poor and she gleaned, that took the grain and brought it home. In fact, she gleaned so well that she ended up marrying Boaz and became the great-grandmother of King David. So, girls, if you are looking for a man, <laughs> learn how to glean. That is not politically correct. But then again, who cares? So God's heart's for the poor. Jesus said in Matthew 25, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. And they said, when did we do that to you, Lord? He said, when you did it to the least of these. God's heart's for the poor. God's heart is for children. Jesus, when um, the disciples were shooing away the children, he said, let them come to me. The kingdom belongs to such as these. In fact, you need to become more like children, not childish, but childlike, to enter the kingdom of God. God's heart's for the poor, God's heart's for children. In fact, Jesus was being revolutionary in those days because then were the days when children should be seen and not heard and their value in society was at a lower level. But Jesus was elevating them and saying, the kingdom belongs to such as these. The foreigner. God's heart's for the poor, the children, and the foreigner. Again in Leviticus, God speaks to Israel and says, When a stranger comes amongst you, embrace them, engage with them, love them as one of your own. And Israel says, Why should we do that? And God says, Because at one time you too were foreigners. You see, when God looks at people, he doesn't see the color of the skin. He just sees people. So God's heart for the poor, for children, and for the foreigner. Compassion began in 1952. That's nearly 70 years ago now, during the Korean conflict where um, North and South Korea were at war with one another. Over five million people died in that conflict. And this man, Everett Swanson, began the work of compassion. And again, I think I've told you the story. He was in Seoul, walking the streets, praying and just soaking up the atmosphere. And he saw a cart coming towards him that he thought was collecting rubbish. Turned out to be dead children. And so he was moved with compassion to do something. And he began the work with 35 children. And I'm pleased to say today we sponsor 2.2 million children. So, and the good news is we've had over 2 million children go through the program before our numbers of today. So that's over 4 million children. Where we work, you can see the um, blue-colored countries there, and that's the beneficiaries, and uh, the mustard-colored are the um, partners. What's interesting is that Korea, that used to be a beneficiary, is now a partner. In 1993, became a partner, and now is a giving nation. 
which is wonderful. Compassion sponsorship provides. If you sponsor a child, this is what happens. Education, uniforms, materials, school fees, they're all paid for. Health care, vaccinations, dental checks uh, given to the children. Nutritious meals, that goes without saying. Vocational training, this is really important to us because we want the children to become a resource back to the family. We want to release children from poverty. We are not Centrelink. I'm not against Centrelink, I think it's good. But our focus is to give a hand up. We don't want to be giving out to them all the time. We want to give them a hand up so they become a resource back to their families and they get released from poverty in Jesus' name. And of course, they receive Christian teaching. We went on a trip now. It was how long ago? Two years ago. Gosh. We hope to be going back again within the next two years, <laughs> hopefully. It would be great to go back. But we actually saw the work that was going on and how the training was taking place and the, the care that was given to those children. And I'm pleased to say in the last few decades, every year, 135,000 children have given their lives to Christ. Each year. Um, honestly, I've been in um, ministry for a long time, and I was more than nine years old when I started in ministry. Um, but it's the most fruitful ministry that I've ever been part of. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. How can I do that? Through sponsorship, I know that those children that Carol and I sponsor will hear the gospel as they're brought into the church. Our mandate to the pastors is go into your community and find the poorest of the poor and bring them in and love them and care for them. Because what poverty says to children is that you are of no value. You're going to have a short life. You are worthless. But we know that this word of God says something very different, that they are valuable, that they do have a future, and that God loves them. And we believe that through the church in those countries, as we connect and partner with them, we know that they will be letting those children know that they have a future. So thank you so much for your um, connection and your partnership with Compassion. It is making a difference. On a chair next to you or on your chair, you've got a picture of a child. I want us to pray right now because I believe the prayers of the righteous avails much. Amen? I've got May here. She's been waiting 500 days. And uh, she's from the Philippines. They've got five other children in the family. May never asked to be born into poverty. She never asked for that, but she ended up there. For $12 a week, and I don't mind talking about money. Jesus did it all the time. Um, 
you can make a massive difference in the life of a child like me. But let's pray. Let's hold these children. And we say, Father, we love your word. And your word tells us that you love the children and that they belong to you. They're made in your image. Our prayer is that they be released from poverty in Jesus' name. That your kingdom does come and your will is done in each of their lives. And we ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. My beautiful wife, Carol, she loves this part. Just stand up, love. There she is. She would be more than happy to talk to you after the service. We've got a table out there with um, children on the uh, table like me that uh, you can sponsor and help change your life. For $12 a week, you can make a massive difference. So God bless every single one of you as you consider that. All good. Amen. Well, I'll bring the word. Is that all right? Are you sure? Because I want to affect your belief system. Your belief system is so important. It's that invisible part of you that makes decisions, choices, and ultimately your eternal destiny. Terrorism is motivated by a belief system. So I believe the most important part of a human being is your belief system. You see, you come to church on a Sunday to worship God and connect with one another, and that's wonderful and it's good. But I believe the most important part is as you hear these words, these invisible words that I speak, because words are spiritual, that's why they're invisible, and your eye gate and your ear gate will receive them, and it will affect your belief system. Are you open for this? Well, there was one person over there. <laughs> the rest of you are all pretty cautious. Jesus practiced it himself. He went from synagogue to synagogue, village to village, preaching and teaching. Why? To affect people's belief system. They had a concept of God in such a way that he wanted to affect that. And I want to affect and confirm things that you're already taught here, I'm sure. So, am I okay to affect your belief system? Oh, that was a bit better. Not many more, but a few. That's good. Okay, let's move on to the next PowerPoint. Now, this sermon is called The Five P's. Usually pastors have three points. I've got five, but I'm not going uh, I'm, I'm to be long-winded. I've, I've got until four o'clock, you said, wasn't it? <laughs> Don't leave, that was a joke. Um, a message to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, it tells us in Ephesians 4.12. You see, you are all ministers of the gospel, not just people that stand up and preach or are called pastors. We're all ministers. You all are called of God. 
And I want us to uh, look at the life of Israel and learn from Israel as they went on the journey of life. Now, the scripture that I'm speaking from is in Exodus. There's the five Ps. Oh, all right. I've got an interesting picture up there. That's good. <laughs> Exodus 3, 8, when Moses is in front of the burning bush. And God says, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from a good land, from that land, to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. God gave Israel a promise to deliver them from bondage, slavery, and bring them to a promised land. A promised land flowing with milk and honey, abounding in food, water, high-yielding agriculture, milk-producing animals. It was going to be a wonderful place for them, abundant fruit. Numbers 13 tells us of the grapes, the figs, the pomegranates, a land of abundance. So God gave Israel a promise. Now, there's always a picture in the Old Testament for us. There's always a teaching that we can receive from what happens in the Old Testament. And the metaphor for the church is that we have been delivered from Egypt. We've been delivered from sin, from the bondage of sin. We've been set free because if the sun sets you free, you're truly free indeed. Now, if you're a visitor here and you're on the journey of discovery, I want to encourage you. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. There's promises in the word of God. Who's ever received a promise from God? Yeah. Jesus promised abundant life. John 10.10, 10, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. But the thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. I want you to know this though. With every promise... There is a giant. Come on. You know, the first promise that I received from God when I first got saved, I was, uh, I think I've told you the story, I was an alternative lifestyler. I had long flowing hair in those days. <laughs> I always like to dwell on that for a moment. And uh, I was riding my motorbike, and God spoke to me in my helmet. I nearly fell off my bike. And he spoke to me, and he, and he said, you're going to have a son, and you're going to call him Stephen. Now, this was unbelievable. I'm riding my bike, and this comes into my head, into my helmet, into my head. And I'm driving around my mom's place, and I went in and knocked on the door. Mom opened the door, and I said, Mom, God's spoken to me. And she said, he's spoken to me. 
I said, what did he say to you? She said, you're going to have a son and his name's going to be Stephen. I said, bingo. <laughs> That's what he said to me. Now, Carol always complains at this time because she says he never told me. <laughs> so there was the promise from God. And over a period of time, as things happen, Carol got pregnant and praised the Lord. Here I thought, here comes Stephen. But a giant rose up and she miscarried. And I thought, what's going on? Anyway, in due time, there wasn't much television in those days. <laughs> she got pregnant again. And she miscarried again. And my friends who weren't Christians came up to me and said, um, where's your God now? And with tears running down my face, I said, I don't know, but I know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You see, I had to face that giant and I declared the truth of what had happened in my life. I'm pleased to say that Stephen now is over 30 years old and he's got three children of his own. God fulfills his promise. Yeah, praise the Lord. See, God gives promises, but there'll be giants. As Israel came through that country of Egypt and were delivered, they had the Red Sea before them and they had the Pharaoh's men behind them. But God delivered them. He fulfilled his promise. I always think of Charlton Heston. Who remembers Charlton Heston? Yes, I see those hands. Behold the salvation of God and that sea parted and they crossed through. But that was a giant. For David, he was anointed king in 1 Samuel 16. In 1 Samuel 17, he had to face the giant, Goliath. Because when you get a promise from God, you will have a giant rise up. Come on. Look, when I first got saved, they said to me, everything's going to be wonderful now. You're going to have a wonderful life. And I thought, praise the Lord, that's great. And life has been wonderful. However, they did not tell me that life still happens. Come on, don't make me feel alone here. <laughs> Who's been on the journey of life and had those things happen? That sometimes we're not expected and sometimes we're just way out there. You see, even Jesus himself had promises. But he still had to face Satan, the Pharisees, and Gethsemane. He had to overcome. There's promises, personal promises, church promises. God makes and gives promises. The second P, presence. Israel experienced the presence of God, Exodus 13, 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. The presence of God gave Israel guidance and leadership. It brought light, illumination. 
Israel's relationship was with God and God was with them. It was external. They saw the cloud. They saw the fire. The presence of God is with us today. Come on, church. Except now it's internal. When that fire came above their heads at Pentecost, that was a sign from God that no longer does God dwell in temples and buildings, but now you are the temple of God. God lives inside people. Have a look at the person next to you. Yeah, look at them. That's where God hangs out. Do not ask God to be with you. He is with you. It's Old Testament to say, God be with us. No, he is with us. Whether you feel him or not, God is here. I'm happy for people who are really feely people and they feel God all the time. I'm happy for you. I'm not. In fact, Carol says that I don't have many feelings sometimes. Yeah, I don't know why she says that. But regardless of whether I feel God or not, God is with me. It tells me Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always. John 14, 16, he will give you another helper who will abide with you forever. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Stop asking God to be with you. He's with you. Do not base your Christianity on what you feel. Oh, I feel God. I'm pleased. That's good. Oh, I don't feel God. God can't be with me. Yes, he is. The language of New Testament is God is with me by his spirit. Come on. The Holy Spirit. Embrace, love the Holy Spirit. Don't be frightened of him. He's wonderful. He reveals the Father and the Son. Jesus and the Father are in heaven. Come on. Geographically, they're in heaven. Jesus is sat at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. He sent his Spirit to be with us. The presence of God. We need the presence of God, like Israel, to have illumination and guidance. Jesus, in Matthew 16, 18, said to the disciples, Who do men say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, raised from the dead. Some say Jeremiah. Some say one of the prophets. Yeah, but he said, Who do you say that I am? And Peter piped up and said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven and upon this rock, I will build my church, not the rock of Peter, but the rock of revelation that comes through the presence of God. God wants to reveal himself continually to his people through his word and by his spirit. That's why we need the presence of God. Come on. That's what's unique in the Christian faith. He is with us. And it's learning to connect with him, spirit to spirit. You see, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in one of these. This magnificent specimen that you can see before you. That wasn't meant to be funny. (laughs) But this is the shell. I'm inside of here. My spirit is my life force. 
is the me. And that self-giving, my soul, which is different to the spirit, they're very close, but it's different. My soul is self-expression. I express myself through my soul. And I live in the body. You've got to have one of these to be on the planet. But this will wear out. And when you get as old as I am, you realize time is passing and it is wearing out. Things fall out. Things tend to drop. Can anybody relate to this? All you, all you young people are going, what's he on about? Your turn will come. Hey, I was with a bunch of young people and uh, they said, oh, how old are you going to be when you're in heaven? I thought, that's a good question. I'll find some scripture. And I found some. Do you want to know how old you're going to be when you're in heaven? Well, okay. <laughs> I'll tell you anyway. 1 Corinthians 15, it says this. As he is... So we shall be. So I figured, how old was Jesus when he died? 33. And I said, 33. And they all went, oh, that's so old. <laughs> I said, no, it's not. 30, 30. Who's happy with 33? I see those hands. <laughs> that's just a theory. It's not... Um, doctrine so God brings promise presence I better move through these quickly power Exodus 14 21 then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night amid the sea into dry land and the waters were divided Israel regularly witnessed the power of God God's power delivered them from Egypt and God's power sustained them through the wilderness. God's power is with us today. All the power you need to fulfill the call of God, you have now. Do not ask God for more. You've got all you're going to get. You've got it. Come on. It says in Ephesians 3.20, Now God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think, according to the power within us. Inside of you is all the power you need. Acts 1.8, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria etc. To fulfill the call of God, you have to have in your consciousness that God is with me and all the power I need to fulfill the call is within me. You have inside of you faith, hope and love. Faith, Romans 12.3, to every person has been given the measure of faith. Hope, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy peace in believing you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Love, Romans 5, 5. For the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
When the disciples said, give us more faith, Lord, how can we get more faith? They were working from Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. Pentecost has come. The church is established. We have been given the power. You have got to get it in our thinking that we've got all we need. We've just got to learn to get it out. Come on. Now, these three things remain, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And they are faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So promise, presence, power, and the fourth P, provision. God provided for Israel. Exodus 16, 4, then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven, raining bread from heaven. And the people will go out and gather a certain quarter, etc. Jehovah Jireh provides for Israel. In fact, in Deuteronomy 8, 4, it says their clothes never wore out. My goodness. Well, I've got to move now. The piano's being played. It's like the death march. No, that's fine. I'm, I'm just kidding. Come on. You've got the power. Not in an arrogant way, but in a loving way. We have got the power of God because the person of God resides within each one of us. God provides. Philippians 4.18 And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You are blessed to be a blessing. The lesson we learn from Israel is that they had the promise, the presence, the power, the provision. But they went round in circles for 40 years. But they had the power, they had the presence, they had the provision, and they had that promise. But they went round in circles for 40 years. And that's because they never connected to the fifth P. And the fifth P is purpose. I think there are many Christians that experience the presence of God, have had the promise from God, have experienced the power of God and had the provision of God, but they're still walking around in circles. Israel walked in circles for 40 years because they never connected to the purpose. Out of all the P's, which are all needed, we need to be in the purposes of God. Come on. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, and go to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They went, it took three weeks to get there, but 40 years to enter. The message today is God has got a purpose for every single person here. Whether you are a believer or not, God has still got a purpose for you. 
And that purpose is firstly to know Christ. And then when you come to know him, go on the journey of discovery. Open your heart to the promises of God, the presence of God, the power of God, the provision of God. But it must be connected to the purposes of God. Otherwise, we should have an altar call that has people come to Christ. When they give their life to Christ, we get out the holy gun and send them to heaven. But they're not. They're left here for a reason. And that is a purpose in God. It's connected to your individual life and it's connected to the church that you are part of. I want to encourage you. Don't go around in circles anymore. Connect to the purposes of God. And somebody might say to me, well, what's the purposes? Well, here's the start. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That faith, hope, and love you have is to be taken to people who are in a faithless situation that you can bring faith. To those people that are in a hopeless situation that you can bring hope. To those that are loveless that you can bring love. Our call is to love God and love people. It's not complicated, it's simple. The challenge, of course, is loving God is easy. My challenge is you lot. It's loving people. But that's what we call to. Come on, church. This is a loving church. This is a great church. Out of all country churches that I visit, this is our favorite. You're thinking he says that all over the place. No. <laughs> Carol and I genuinely love this church. We love your leaders. We love this church. Connect to the purpose. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.